most of my clients weren't even thinking about AI, and now we hear about it all the time. I'm just kind of curious, like, why do you think that is? Like, what what has happened recently that suddenly just catapulted AI to like the forefront of technology conversation? Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Very happy that you are joining us this week. We're going to talk about AI and regulations and some of the issues that can potentially be impacting your business. And we have Francois Candelon with us for now, speaking to us from Paris. Uh, Francois is the Managing Director and Senior Partner and Global Director at BCG, Henderson Institute. So first of all, Francois, thank you very much for joining me. I'm really happy that you're here. Very good to be with you. So let's talk, first of all, about BCG Henderson and you know what that institute is all about and, and what your role is there. And uh, I think we'd all like to learn how you how you got into that role. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the Institute. So basically, I've been, um, let's say, a BCG partner for 30 years. Um, and um, as part of BCG Anderson Institute is BCG's think tank. Um, and, uh, and I think that we have a very specific role because it's not just a think tank made of academic work, but it is a sweet spot where we academic people, we are both academic and practitioners. Okay. So I'm dedicating 50% of my time to the think tank, but 50% of my time as well to uh, develop AI transformation at our TMT clients. Got it. So you're consulting clients, mostly larger clients, obviously, you had said before, but... Usually uh, large clients. Right. Um, and and you're specializing in AI and regulations. Tell us a little bit about your background. How, how did you, you know, get to the point where you're specializing in that? So basically, I've been working for uh, almost the last 30 years in uh, tech and telecom. And uh, thanks to this, I've been uh, trying to uh, develop all the tech capabilities. And it is clear that regulation is an important component of AI, of tech in general, digitization. We looked at what happened in the social media, but in the gaming industry as well. And today, AI is very uh, critical and is a topic that where uh, regulation is playing a critical role for what the future of AI will look like. You know, it's, you have to admit like the, you know, AI has been around for a long time. You know, I mean, I remember my, my dad, you know, 40 years ago uh, was reading books and talking a little bit. He was in the technology world about artificial intelligence, but it's only really been in the past couple of years where it has sort of just exploded into the sort of mindset. You know, most of my most of my clients weren't even thinking about AI and now we hear about it all the time. I'm just kind of curious, like, why do you think that is? Like, what what has happened recently that suddenly just catapulted AI to like the forefront of technology conversations? So, I, I would say two things. So we had, and for a long time, analytical AI. And it is true that thanks to semiconductors through uh, AI chips that help make it, uh, I would say, uh, easier and cheaper to deal with, I think analytical AI was really coming. Mm -hmm. But what is true as well is that uh, ChatGPT last November, it is still uh, will uh, celebrate its uh, birthday, first birthday in a few months from now, in a couple of months, is is really uh, 
capture let's say capture everyone's imagination and and uh, why because it is so easy to consume right um, everyone can prompt uh, everyone has tried however uh, and and everyone has understood that it would have a significant impact on his job right but but it is not because it's easy to consume that it's actually easy to produce generative AI in a company to create a source of competitive advantage. It's of a different nature. Makes sense. It makes sense. And you mentioned generative AI. I mean, that is really the AI that most of us are dealing with right now. And generative AI, and Francois, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, you know, you're, you're basically having a conversation with a chat bot that's been trained on some data and it's generating responses back to you, you know, which you know, can give you advice on anything from writing a blog to a job description to uh, doing market research. That's generative AI. You know, when when I'm doing this on ChatGPT, it, it doesn't seem harmful. You know, it seems great. You know, it's giving me lots of great information. It, you know, why is there such a concern that AI, it, you know, this could go beyond <laughs> and actually create harm and issues, not only to individuals, but to businesses. So you have, you have, you have plenty of it. And first of all, when you say train on, on some data, basically it's trained on all the data that right. exists. So basically it's as if you had read everything and you were remembering everything. But as we all know, when you remember, memory is not something that is reliable. Right. And, and I, I think it's part of the key issues we face. The first one is that from time to time, you can have what we call hallucinations. So basically, you believe that something is right, true, and it is not. One of my um, very, good, very good friends uh, with a professor um, uh, at Harvard was telling me last February, he wanted to create a new uh, curriculum made of six lessons. Okay, and he asked... ChatGPT, let's say, he interacted with it. And at some point, he was saying, and it was good. The answer was good. And then he was saying, okay, but what should the pre-reads be? And, um, and one specific one, uh, let's say, cap capture his attention. Okay, um, it was a case study made by his lab, written by him. Right. The bad thing was that this, and it was a very interesting abstract. And the bad thing is that basically... He never wrote that piece. Mm. But the interesting thing is that it was so relevant that he decided to write it. And I think that it, it is what is made of, let's say, generative AI. It's someone who you can interact with that will provide you ideas, but you need to be very careful about the, um, the risk of hallucination. The second thing that is really uh, potentially harmful is because of... Um, and because of the, uh, the, the, the deep fake, it can really multiply by uh, one or two orders of magnitude cybersecurity risks. Right. Um, and, and, and so we need to be very careful about that, um, that part as well. So you have that, you have questions about biases, you have the, um, the issue as well about copyrights, because as you said, it was trained on, as, as, as we said, it was trained on, a myriad of data, all the internet was read, but okay, 
um, what are the uh, the copyrights? So so we we are facing a new world that not everyone can understand because you know we are at the beginning of an industrial revolution, right? And um, and therefore copyrights were created later in our um, let's say if you are back to uh, let's say the uh, the print right. uh, industry and uh, Gutenberg basically it took us a century before copyrights were were um, were developed so we are here there are many other things to to create as well and this industrial revolution we will try to see how to collaborate between human and ai in a company but as well how do you um, the 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 um, regulation what are the things that have to be done and so on. so so i think that we are a bit trying it's a try and error mode both for regulation and both for corporations in the way they use AI. You know, you... Sorry, generative AI, because very often people now focus on generative AI, as I said, but there is this analytical AI that is able to help you get better informed, to take better informed decisions that can be either predictive or prescriptive and that are creating lots of value. So uh, we need to keep yeah. these two yeah. because it's there's no fine. question about the value and and all the things that you bring up the you know, the deep fakes where AI can spoof somebody by a video or their voice and already that's being used by some criminals to to um, to dupe you know uh, financial people into making transactions yeah. they think they're talking to the CEO of the company and it turns out that it's not even do that there's hallucinations which is basically just wrong information that. Uh, that, that your AI is is coming up with, um, you know, there's misinformation um, which can be used the wrong way, like in political campaigns. We actually just saw it in, like last election. We, you know, some of those things, you know, happening as well. All of those things are, um, you know, th- they're issues and they're they're certainly problems that need to be they, they need to be addressed. And then I read like last week that Ukraine is um, deploying drones that um, are using AI and uh, can instruct to uh, fire upon their enemy at will. In other words, like learn, learn the battlefield and uh, have the ability uh, to make assessments and, and start firing at people. And that to me is like sort of the next level of concern where we have AGI you know, or you know, artificial general intelligence that's not only just generating responses, but also like just doing stuff that we're giving it the ability to do that stuff. And to me, like that's that's the really scary part of AI. Um, and I'm curious what what thoughts you have on that. I mean, I, that's that's coming sooner rather than later. It's kind of already here. Yes, and and before you get to AGI, because AGI is supposed in our mind to have a kind of a conscious and so on. Yeah. But you will have something that is relatively similar that we call autonomous agents. Yeah. But depending on um, on uh, people are will be available between two to five years. But there is honestly at the moment no reason why it could not happen. So I mean there is no theoretical uh, issue or substantive uh, issue that would prevent us uh, prevent it to happen. And this is basically exactly what you've just described. And it can be done in other ways, not just on the battlefield. Uh, but yes, an autonomous agent is something that is able to interact with the world, to assess, and then not just to, um, if I take LLMs uh, for a generative AI, we are interacting with them, but basically they can act. 
So uh, you could say, uh, okay, and I, we could have your own, um, let's say, autonomous agent dealing with mine so yep. that we come to uh, something and we agree. Yeah, and so there aren't self-driving cars, like an example. That yeah, yeah. Yes, but, but they're evaluating data that's coming in from all different places. And then they're saying, absolutely. we need to turn left here. And it turns left, right? Yes. But basically, I, I think that what we need to keep in mind is that for this to happen, it will require what I call a, a kind of a social license. Okay. So, I mean, the social license is made of three things. The, the fact that it needs to be a responsible AI. There's this question about fairness, about transparency, so that it's dealt with. with the second thing is that you need to have in this social license as well a, a, a cost-benefit assessment. Um, and it can differ from region to region. I, I used to live in China and, um, you know, on uh, health data, um, in, in, the, in Western China, basically, you have, uh, let's say, you don't have great GPs. Okay. So if you want to have a good diagnostic, uh, it's quite difficult. And, and the government tried to push AI there. But of course, you needed to have to bring your, your own data so that you were able to have uh, this. But then they were accepting it uh, because the relationship to data, personal data is different on one hand and because the the benefit was really amazing to have a good diagnostic. Sure. While in Europe, when we tried before, at the beginning of COVID to, 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 to create these databases with all data, nobody wanted it. So I think that the question about the cost-benefit, depending on the region, might be a second thing. The third thing, as you mentioned, related to um, the um, uh, the, uh, the self-autonomous driving is, mm. but okay, but who will be responsible? Can we trust these companies to have the right level of capabilities? And, and I think this is only if we get these three uh, buckets... Uh, that will have a social license and that we will get, uh, will be able to, um, to discuss uh, differently. I was discussing with someone, a regulator the other day on uh, um, airline, the airline industry was telling me, oh, basically, you know, we don't need pilots. If we have pilots, it's just to make sure that people in the aircraft, in the airplane, the, all the passengers feel at ease. Yeah. Uh, basically, they are not, they are not useful. However, what is, will be interesting related to AI if I take this analogy with airlines, so it makes me think that um, at least we have pilots who are currently able to pilot. But in the coming years, once we'll be accustomed to using AI, will we be able to keep our capabilities? Or because we are all lazy, you are lazy, I am lazy. Yes. Uh, we will be in a position where it will be difficult and there is a kind of an atrophy that might happen. So, you know, the future is is scary, but it's also bright. Um, you know, I'm gonna, you know, in the end, I, I'm going to get, I, I do want to get your thoughts about the, about that. But right now, um, I see, I see online or on television, um, our, our technology leaders, you know, executives from Facebook and Microsoft and Google and OpenAI, and they're testifying in congressional committees um, about, you know, the potential risks of AI and, you know, potential regulations that might be needed to protect the public. And of course, they're testifying to people that, I don't know if you see these, con you know, congressional committees, some of these people, I don't even know if they can plug in a television set, 
let alone understand you know, the implications of what they're hearing. So I, does that concern you? Like, do you, do you feel that, do you trust the tech companies to come up with their own framework to protect society from their own technology? So what I know, and we can see that there are very different perspectives in uh, different regions, but what I know, and I made some research on it, is that self-regulation worked once. It was in Japan at the end of the 90s when the gaming industry that was attacked on, let's say, because of the violence and mm -hmm. the sexual content that you had in different games, self-regulated self itself. Mm -hmm. But it is the only one that works. So it doesn't mean that AI could not be the second one. But what I mean by that is that it's not something that we can totally trust. So, so uh, I, I think that, and especially at a moment when we are facing a world that is fragmenting mm -hmm. and where AI can become a source of advantage for the competitiveness yes. of competition. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so this is what makes me feel that we cannot just count on self-regulation to make it happen. But it doesn't mean that I don't trust uh, people and I'm sure they are willing to do for good because it's in their interest. Sure. Because at some point, we don't get this social license that I mentioned previously. If they are not trusted, it won't happen. Look, for instance, at what are the self, um, let's say, self-driving cars. One of the reasons why it is not developing as much as it could is probably because there is a lack of trust for the full environment. So, so it's why everyone would be better with... Uh, a regulation that could get trusted. So relying on the people to self-regulate obviously does not seem to be the right path forward. Meanwhile, we just came off a global pandemic where, you know, we had every single country was was handling it, you know, their own way with, you know, with, with little coordination with each other. I mean, do you do you feel optimistic that there could be a, a worldwide framework for for AI that that protects no, people? I, I don't. I personally don't believe there will be a, a, a worldwide framework. Um, I was discussing the other day with Gabriela Ramos from uh, UNESCO who developed such a framework and we were together agreeing that it would be difficult to make it happen, but it's worth trying. Okay. I doubt, but it's worth trying. Um, but, um, but at the same time, I believe we will be in a, in a position and for corporations, it means that they will have to deal with different frameworks in different regions. And so this is something they need to take into account uh, because, for instance, it will be different in the U.S., from Europe, uh, and from China. And, um, and if I take Europe that I know well and uh, that uh, we all know that uh, this AI Act, EU AI Act that is coming, won't be in a vacuum. Basically, you will have the Digital Service Act, you have the uh, Digital Market Act, so the DMA, the DSA, and all of this is really important. So it will be critical for companies to think in a framework and it's not in a vacuum. So this is point one. Okay. Uh, the, the second thing is that I believe they will have to add to this framework that they will have to build and that will take time 
but they need to do it. It will save a lot of time then. Right. Um, they probably need um, as well uh, to, um, how could I say, to add um, multinational or uh, regional arms to that. Right. Because it's true that even when you look at moderation, for instance, you've seen that between the EU and uh, the EU Commission and uh, Twitter X, there was an issue. Um, we'll see how, we, how it is solved uh, over time. But for instance, moderation in Europe will be done in a very different way than it is done in the US. So when you are, um, let's say, a businessman, how to, how to deal with this is something that is important. It will take time. It will take resources. It's not optimal, right. but this is a way to go. So what would you, if, if you put this in a framework of a, of a U.S. business owner, Francois, you know, and, and say you are, say you're running a small construction firm in Michigan, you know, and, uh, you know, and you're, you're, you know, maybe you're dabbling a little bit in AI, but you're using the applications that you have. Is, you know, is there, is there something, is there anything that a business owner should be doing now to prepare themselves for these potential issues? Is there anything that you would be doing? Um, so... For, for instance, one of the first things they need to understand is that they will be considered as uh, liable right. to what AI do. And for instance, I was interviewed the other day by a commissioner of your uh, a US commissioner um, who was telling me, you know, uh, the type of answer, oh, you, I don't understand. AI decided it, I don't understand what it does, won't <laughs> be accepted. You can't say that, right? Because you, you, you cannot say that, yeah. even if many people say it. Yeah. So, uh, but you cannot, and therefore there would be fines, and uh, you will have to pay for that. Yeah. So, so which means that you absolutely need to create, um, let's say, a kind of a watchdog internally. Yeah. Yeah. Not to interrupt you, but the example is from the accounting standpoint, and we tell our clients all the time that just because a firm prepares your tax returns and you sign it, that doesn't mean that you can just push off all the responsibility on that firm. If there's a problem with the return, it's, it's your tax return. And it's the same thing with your technology, right? Absolutely. And and so it has a real impact for, uh, for them and for uh, small and medium businesses uh, to be able to uh, to do that. Uh, but nevertheless, and, and this is one of the things that I have seen living, as I said, living in China, and one of the main differences I find between China, the US and Europe, is the ability in China to have an ecosystem that helps small and medium businesses adopt AI. Uh, AI. And, and this is, uh, I would believe, uh, a real competitive advantage for China, the US, you innovate much more. China adopt much more easily, and um, and Europe doesn't do anything. But it's another story. <laughs> um, but uh, and you know, Michael Porter, a famous um, uh, strategy professor at mm -hmm. Harvard, used to say that the competitiveness of a nation depends on the capacity of its industry to innovate and upgrade. You innovate, Chinese adopt, Chinese upgrade, mm -hmm. and Europe's Europe is waiting. So are you optimistic about the future, Francois? I mean, there, there, there's a lot to be concerned about, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. It will happen. Mm. And it will be, you know, it's as if, were you asking, at that time there was no podcast, but in the middle of the 19th century, 
And when you had the second industrial revolution, would you say, are you optimistic or pessimistic? Right. We are entering an industrial revolution. Right. Um, if I use, uh, let's say, the notion of uh, Schumpeterian creative destruction cycles, meaning that many jobs will get destroyed, many jobs will get transformed, many jobs will get created. Um, we're at a moment when, uh, and it doesn't mean that because a job is destroyed somewhere, it is created at the same place. Right. But it is important for each company to understand that. And, and I believe that the ability for a company to adopt these technologies, because we were mentioning ChatGPT a year ago, we will have Gemini uh, coming from Google and DeepMind. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have multi-modality coming where you mm -hmm. can transform sound into images, vice versa, and so on. So in words, this is coming. Mm -hmm. Let's adapt. And let's adopt. Francois Candelin is the managing director and senior partner and global director of BCG Henderson Institute in Paris, a think tank and a research firm, and also that provides consulting services to companies big and small about the impact of technology and things like AI. Francois, thank you very much for joining us. It was very illuminating and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime in the uh, near future. Thank you. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.